7th Cavalry. We got a captain from the Ukraine. Another from Puerto Rico. We've got Japanese, Chinese, Blacks, Hispanics, Cherokee Indians, Jews and Gentiles, all Americans. Now here in the States, some men in this unit may experience discrimination because of race or creed. But for you and me now, all that is gone. We're moving into the valley of the shadow of death, where you will watch the back of the man next to you as he will watch yours. And you won't care what color he is or by what name he calls God. They say we're leaving home. We're going to what home was always supposed to be. So let us understand the situation. We are going into battle against a tough and determined enemy. I can't promise you that I will bring you all home alive. But this, I swear, before you and before Almighty God, that when we go into battle, I will be the first to set foot on the field, and I'll be the last to step off, and I will leave no one behind. Dead or alive, we will all come home together. So help me God. And that was our featured Joygasm moment of the week. Of course, that was from We Were Soldiers that came out back in 2002, which is crazy to think about. I didn't realize it was that far back. But that was the the famous scene where Mel Gibson was giving the, the rousing speech to his, I guess it's a platoon. I don't know about rousing, but yeah. <laughs> That's a, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, he <laughs> speech. He was playing uh, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore, who, who uh, led the other, just a huge regiment of troops uh, into, I believe, was it Vietnam? Vietnam. So it was before the Vietnam War had uh, started up, and there was like this skirmish thing that ended up kind of pulling the United States into a. a just a long protracted war that was pretty controversial and that sort of thing. But what I really appreciated about this particular speech was how brutally honest and to the point it was to the, the men in, in his regiment. I thought, I thought that was just, I think that is actually, I'm reminded of the gladiator um, scene where Russell Crowe says that the soldier has the benefit of looking his enemy in the eye when he was speaking to the politician. And I feel like this is kind of in that same vein where at this point, all of the, the politics and the little ways that people say things without saying things, or they have double meanings or whatever. It's like when you get to this point, you're faced with a very simple outlook. And I, I loved the, the leadership that was there. What'd you think? 
No, I do too. And I, I, I like how he was identifying everybody by their race and then saying, basically, that's all petty stuff. And it's petty before we're on the field and it's petty. It's definitely petty while we're on the field. And when you get right down to it, we're all Americans. As a matter of skin color, we're all Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this was um, your idea for this particular scene just because Veterans Day is right around the corner. I believe it's next Monday. Monday. By the time this gets released. Yes, absolutely. So an early, well, at the time of this recording, an early happy Veterans Day to all of our men and women who have served. We can't thank you enough. We definitely have uh, nothing but grateful hearts for the sacrifice that you guys and gals put in on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've seen that movie so many times too. I, I own that movie. And every time I see that, that scene, I mean, there's no action. It's just him speaking, but I, I do get chills every time by the time that speech is ended. You know, I was looking for the movie in your, in your stash and I didn't see it. So, you know what, when I, when we were playing that, I put it on my Netflix queue. <laughs> it should be in there. It's got, it's either in my, Normal DVDs or, or my Blu-rays or something, but I, I I know for a fact I own that film. It's in my Mel Gibson collection. <laughs> yeah. You are listening to Joy Gasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He, of course, is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we welcome you to episode 146 today, November 7th, 2019. We actually have a number of things that I'm looking forward to going over, not only with you, Steve, but our listeners as well. Mm. Gaming News has Death Stranding critic reviews, Anthem goodies, Square Enix's new IP, and Epic Games banning a prominent player for cheating. Movie News features Disney Oscar submissions. Whether or not the Joker in the Joker movie actually killed that woman and Terminator Dark Fate theater performance thus far. Finally, Technology News features yet another Lego masterpiece getting released at the remainder of this year. I am very excited about this one, Steve. <laughs> Our topic of the day is BlizzCon 2019 impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, you just keep on listening. Steve! Yes, right. It seems like just yesterday that we had recorded our previous podcast, and mm. yet here we are. Time flies the older you get, Russ. That is truth. I learned something this week. Well, good for you. Now, this doesn't have anything to do. You learned your ABCs, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Right. I didn't <laughs> know so I didn't know what the last letter is, and now I do. <laughs> so here's the old dealio, okay? This uh, marriage saga continues. Oh, yes. Okay, figuring things out. Well, I thought I was the man. With the highest credit <laughs> score. You know what I'm saying? That's how I used to, to work the chicks in. Like, it wasn't my height, obviously. It wasn't my hair. No. Just rein them in by my credit score, baby. That's right. You like this? Okay. You want to go to a date sometime? Cha-ching! All right. So, I have been debt-free. Debt-free. Since 2012, Russell, have you know. Oh, good for you. And so, I thought, well... You know, I'll buy I'll every once in a while, get a little something, something, but I don't like getting 
bills in the mail. I paid everything off. You know, I, I'm, I'm good. I checked my credit score back in 2015, and it was it was pretty high. I went to go see a buddy of mine. I was thinking about getting a you know little gas sipper kind of a car. And he was like, man, your credit score is a man. You can get anything in here with our best rate. And I go, awesome. And I didn't get anything. I walked out. So <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. So, so it comes down to it. Wifey gets into town and she wants to spend all your money. We know. Yeah, that always happens. Yeah, it's not true. But <laughs> the bed we're sleeping on isn't comfortable to yours truly. I keep telling you, Steve, that you need to graduate from the Fisher-Price beds. Okay, I get it. And I'm trying. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying. And by the way, I have told you sleep number. That's a, I, yeah, you, The search I, yeah, is I don't know. started and yeah. ended with sleep number. And I don't think you have visited the sleep number store, have you, Steve? No, I haven't. I, I, I didn't I, think so. I, I laid on one. I wasn't. You that. probably laid on mom and dad's, but you they have, have They don't laid. even have a sleep number. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Yeah, maybe back at the other house. They No, they were the ones who actually really impressed it upon my wife and I to go check out a sleep number bed because they were raving about theirs. Yeah, okay. Anyhow. So we get to the bed store and we're like the only people there. We're walking around, like laying on everything in sight, realizing <laughs> that several other hundred bodies yeah, really. have also laid in that same Why spot. Why am I itchy? <laughs> so <laughs> anyhow, it gets time. We, we pick one out and we go up and he, and he says, hey, you know, we got a 0% financing. Like, sure, I'm taking advantage of that. <laughs> go ahead and run my credit. Well, I get declined. Oh. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Shut the front door. Oh. What's going on? I haven't financed anything since 2012. Well, make a long story short, Russ. This is what I learned. If you do not finance anything, credit card or a car or anything for seven years mm. or longer, mm. you start over from zero. Zero. As if you have no credit history whatsoever. Ever and I Ouch. and I called the bank and I said, "Wait a minute, that's a, you can't say that because I've paid off two cars with you and I've had a I've had a, like a extra line of credit through you, so you can't say I don't have any credit history." And they said, "Well, it's not us. It's like the bigger credit bureaus that basically look for the last seven years and anything beyond that they don't see." So what you're telling me is. You need to start racking up some Joygasm equipment dead on that credit card and get that Man. credit history back up and rolling. That's the Man, I'm telling you what. <laughs> so I, 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 man, I was freaking out because I couldn't get any sort of credit. I went, went to like discover. I was like, yeah, surely I get something with one of the major credit card companies declined. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. finally my bank uh, was able to help me out and I got a, a credit card that I'm going to have to start. Wait, wait, they gave you another credit card? They gave, I never had a credit card. I always used my debit oh, card. Oh, man, yeah. Um, okay, so I I know the, kind of what you're feeling because I went through something similar probably right, actually right around the time I got married because I got married in 2012 mm -hmm. and I had kind of the same thing. Like really, I think the only kind of credit card I had back in the day was like a Best Buy credit card. And I closed that down because I really didn't use it. And so when it came time to start doing some things like looking for a house and that sort of thing, there was something similar where um, I did have a credit score, but it just, 
it wasn't where I, like I thought it would be and all that. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I pay my stuff on time. I, I may have missed like maybe one payment when I had my Best Buy card or whatever, but uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And then they explain, well, it's, it actually has to do with you not having really any kind of credit card history. Cause I had the same thing. Yeah. I've, I've paid off two cars and, and I've, I've been really good with my loans and stuff. I don't understand what's going on. So the, the secret is you have to own a credit card and you have to um, charge it, not a, a ton, but just have activity on your credit card with the idea that like, you know, you can pay it off quickly. Like if you put a charge on there, now you don't want to pay it off too quickly. You don't want to pay it off like the next day. Right. But within like one or two months, you pay off your credit card in full. For sure. And then that really starts to, to give you an optimized credit history right. that will also increase your, your favor uh, with the rank and also allow you to purchase larger things and increase your credit limit on the card. Yes. Which as you become a father, it will become more and more uh, important to have something that... Uh, has a bit more sizable. Yeah. You know, not so much Man. can you get away with like, you know, two to $5,000 on a credit card. I'm just glad I found out now and then not like way later when I was desperate for something like, oh, I need something now and then I couldn't get it. Man. Yeah. Well, so. and, and you know what? You're in a really good position because I have a feeling if you start doing this type of behavior now, pro I would say it's only going to take maybe two or three years and then like you'll have enough of a history there where they'll be right. like, oh, okay. Yeah. How I Googled how long does it take to build up good credit? And they said at least six months. So take that for what it is, but yeah. we'll see how what happens. So I watched how to train your dragon three. Basically. How was that? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I haven't seen any of them. I saw the first one, skipped the second one entirely. I didn't even know there was a second one until I saw the preview for the third one. And I wanted to see that one and I watched it. So now I got to go back and watch the second one. But I got to thinking and playing this game. This would be our game. <sighs> Watching the movie. This would be a good game. <laughs> this would be a great game to play. It's like, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. You got this quest from a young kid, saves the dragon, helps him out, kind of, you know, makes him learn how to fly, this, that, that, helps his tribe. This is the perfect, like, setting for a, an RPG. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like an action RPG. Uh -huh. Why haven't they made this yet, Russ? And they could put Gerald Butler as voice in the game as well, as well as Craig Ferguson from the mm -hmm. Craig Ferguson show. Indeed. Don't know why they haven't thought of that yet. Maybe they have, and I just haven't noticed. I don't know. Hmm. Let's see what else did I do. <laughs> oh, you know what, uh, what we watched is she hadn't seen the first Hobbit in a long time. The first Hobbit Peter Jackson like, movie? Correct. Uh, For like Hobbit, like, you know, they made, a, they made the Hobbit a trilogy. So Hobbit part one. Yeah, that was kind of goofy, but yeah. Well, the first one wasn't that goofy, Russ. Well, no, no, no. Just, just the fact that they, they split it into three parts. I was like, did they really need to do that? Uh, did they really need to do that? It's a Hobbit. Well, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's the Hobbit. True. I'm glad they did, though. Mm. Of course, they threw in some extra stuff, like the whole love story, but whatever. You know, <laughs> who's counting? I mean, it was, it was a nice little love story. Um, Anyhow, but I didn't play much. But oh, oh, oh you need I, to start playing Metro Exodus. I know. I I I downloaded it. I have not started playing it, but I did download the Outer Worlds. Good. I have not started playing it yet, so I'm just adding. I'm starting to get like you. 
What do you well, mean? I'm, I'm adding games to my repertoire ah. and have yet to play where I'll play them like five minutes and not put them away. But guess what I saw in the app store? What did you see, Steve? Bam! Oh, no way! For six bucks, you get Lunar, the Silver oh, Star right Story. Now. How, how did you come across that? I was sitting. Was it, is it still uh, produced by Working Designs? Uh... No, somebody else. So Moga, I incorporated. I don't know. How did you find that? Well, I was sipping coffee one morning, and I just thought, decided, you know what? I wonder if some of these older games are available. It makes perfect sense for them to be available on the mobile platform. And since Final Fantasy is available, and other games like Full Throttle are available. It makes part, why why wouldn't Lunar be available? That is fantastic. So I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. Lunar the Silver Star story is one of my all-time favorite RPGs that I played for I think it was on the Sega CD. And uh, also the sequel Lunar Eternal Blue. Oh man, it was just it was one of those like really old school classic JRPGs just oh, Love I, the characters, I, love the story. I love that style. Oh, yeah. I love that style. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm actually looking forward to eventually getting Link's Awakening on Nintendo Switch. Um, it's more of a, obviously, a uh, action RPG. But the, the visual art direction kind of goes back to that. Not, It's probably kind of a lame comparison because, obviously, the, the art direction is a bit different from Lunar the Silver Star story. But I just, I kind of like that Japanese-influenced, cutesy kind of uh, look. But the story for that one's great, and and the oh, yeah. and the writing of it is very good. Yeah, it was. It was like the by the end of the game, especially the first one, I really felt like I had bonded with each of the characters. I loved where the story ended. They they placed heavy emphasis on the friendships that you make along the way as your band of characters grows, and yeah, it was. I'm totally here. I I'm. Hmm. It, I, I can't find it, Steve. I've tried doing the search. Lunars. Oh, here we go. Now it loaded. Now it loaded, Steve. Oh, yeah. 290 reviews for it already. It has an average of 4.5 stars. That needs to be five stars entirely. Here we go. Double click to pay. Oh, and it's downloading. Thank you, Steve. You've made my day. You are very welcome. I thought that was the case. What have you been up to, Russ? So I've been up to a number of things. One is I'm continuing to get through the outer worlds. I'm still very much at the, like, toward the beginning of the game, but it's it's starting to take hold on me. It's actually just a fun romp through. It's nothing like it hasn't turned into anything epic. It's just it's one of those easy games that when you like get home from work or whatever, and you just want to sit down and play something that's not going to be like too intense, you can sit down and just play the game. That sounds like it's right up my alley. And, and it's a first person shooter, but it's an RPG. Very Works different. for me. Very different. It's an action RPG. Think of this. It's basically an action RPG. It's a sci-fi action RPG, but instead of it being like Mass Effect where it's third person, it, everything is in first person. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, just going through and, and um, apparently um, our buddy Big Baby Moose. Ah, I haven't heard about him in a while. He has also been playing this game. He's farther along than I am. He actually got off the first planet that I'm currently making my way through right now. One of the things I can say I really appreciate about the game so far is consequence. There are various types of decisions that I have to make, and they're not easy ones. They're not black and white, and they're they're kind of based more on having to <sighs> choose the lesser of two evils, perhaps, or yeah. you know, like making decisions that just I mean, they're going to affect 
certain innocent folks and you're just like, ah, oh, I don't want that to happen, but I, you know, it's a part of the main quest. And so I dig it. I, I, it's cool to have that type of gravitas. Yeah. I remember in the preview, they said, uh, whatever happens, it's your fault. I'm like, mm, yeah. oh, they, they said that. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. Phrasing. That's funny. So I have to ask you. Yes. Did you get uh, Death Stranding you there? No. I didn't, didn't, didn't it come out like today? Um, it, I think it, maybe, what, the, what, what is it? It's yeah. The, it's the 8th. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was the 8th or the 9th. Shouldn't you have it? I, I, I have not. I have not purchased it, Steve. What? I thought you had pre-purchased it. No, remember we had this conversation last time where Russ, I, I don't remember the last five minutes. Okay, well, <laughs> welcome to my world. See, this is what happens, Steve. You get married and you start to not be able to, to remember anything. Just wait till you have children. Well, in my case, I just can't sleep. <laughs> well, that that doesn't help <laughs> either. Yeah. So when we had a conversation about this last week, I was going back and forth, and then I realized after checking my pre-orders that I had pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII Remake. I had pre-ordered Cyberpunk 2077. Of course. But I had held off from pre-ordering Death Stranding simply because after seeing the, the initial gameplay footage, I was concerned. I was worried. Which is weird. You know, I, I know we're going to talk about that um, a little bit later uh, briefly in gaming news, but I feel like I can talk a little bit about it now since you brought it up, Steve. <laughs> I have been going back and forth with this because... Obviously, I am a Hideo Kojima fan of his previous efforts with the Metal Gear Solid series. And with Death Stranding, as more and more information has come out and the review embargo has been lifted, and so now you can see what a lot of different folks are having to say about it. It's interesting to me because the the reviews are really split down the middle. Like I looked at IGN and they gave it like a 6.8 out of 10. But I went over to Game Informer and they gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah. So you're seeing a, a big divide, and from what I can tell, I think the difference is people who want instant gratification in a game versus folks who actually really do enjoy more of a slow burn. And it was really fascinating to listen to, to both of those reviewers because I can. It wasn't like one of them didn't make any sense. And you're just like, what are you talking about? They actually both had really good points. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, okay. I can see that too. And from what I can gather, I'm almost wondering if I'm, if I would enjoy this game to a certain extent, simply because I think there are things that I would find more enjoyable given my age, because I can think about it. I'm like, if I'm 10 years old or if I'm 15 years old, I think I would find this game probably boring, but someone who's in their thirties to forties, you know, you have more life experiences under your belt. You're able to um, identify more subtle nuances and storytelling and even with the gameplay mechanics and stuff. And so I, I have a feeling I will probably eventually end up playing this game. I don't know if I'm going to play it sooner rather than later, and I don't anticipate it to be some sort of life-altering game. It's not. It's going to be no Red Dead Redemption 2. It's not going to be a Horizon Zero Dawn. I've been thinking about that game a lot. Oh, my gosh. That game is just <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> However, that's not to say that I think the game would be a bad game to play. I think that what I'm doing is I am readjusting my expectations of what the game is going to be like. 
I know I'm going to enjoy all the cinematics. They, I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous looking game. I think that from the, the UI that I've seen, the UI is extremely sophisticated. It looks really, really flashy, aesthetically pleasing. And in terms of him being a delivery person, I do like the idea of him just, he's going on this huge open, I mean, apparently the, the, the world is just gigantic, but the graphics fidelity is super good. The level of detail on everything in the environment is just top notch. So I kind of think of it as almost like if I were to go to Yosemite in California and I'm walking around and I'm enjoying the visuals, I don't have to like have a gun and I'm shooting people or anything like that, nor would I want to. But like if you're just walking around and you're enjoying the, the, the crazy beauty of nature and the wildlife and stuff, and as well as, you know, you have a point A to point B thing and you're building uh, connections slowly over time. I, for one, am willing to give it a shot. I'm not going to go out and buy like a collector's edition of Death Stranding or anything like that. But in terms of buying just the regular game, and especially if they have some kind of Black Friday deal, you know, if, if, if I can get the game for like 30 bucks or 40 bucks, I'll definitely pick it up and I'll, I'll give it a shot. That's my, that's where I currently am thinking about Steve. And you, of course, are welcome to come over and watch, but I don't know if you're going to be falling asleep. Yeah, maybe. But if you are, then of course you have your phone, you have your games on there. You know, it's more about having bro time. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the final fantasy, you know, you're playing the game. I, I can go get some lunch or something and come back up and just watch what you're doing. And it's fun. What? Or I can just bring over a pillow. You can do that too. <laughs> and, I, and I'll shake you awake every once in a while to see what's going on. Did you see that? Oh! Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I also started playing Control. And this is the, the latest offering from Remedy. And you, are you? No. Okay. Remedy are the very talented folks who were the developers behind Max Payne, that series. Do you remember that game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who also did Quantum Break for Xbox One. Okay. And they also did Alan Wake for the Xbox 360, which uh, was a great... I actually never beat that game. I need to go back and try and beat it. But um, all of their their games are very focused on narrative. And they have like um, almost like um, television slash film types of sensibilities to their games. Did they work with Rockstar on on Max Penn? Because I thought Rockstar was involved. Maybe there might have been some sort of partnership there. Okay, anyway, but uh, yeah, because because yeah, Rockstar did have an involvement with some of the Max Payne oriented stuff as well. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get back to you on that, Steve. I'll let you know for sure. Thanks, Ross. So anyway, Control uh, it's, it has a female protagonist, and you're you're essentially walking into this building that is it's like a government style building. It looks kind of like like perhaps what an FBI building or a CIA building would look like, but it's the Bureau of Control. I'm still getting to grips with it. There's some really cool uh, visuals as well as like your, you have these telekinetic powers. Uh, there are things about it that are a bit creepy. It's a bit of a, a suspense thriller type of game. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And, and of course, Remedy is known for those types of um, memorable scenes and that sort of thing. I also received my fixed guardrail part for my Mr. Freeze statue. Ah, uh, yeah. So that was a um, kind of a point of concern for me because that was a Prime One Studio statue. 
and it's a glorious statue to behold, but one of the pieces arrived broken, and after having to not request one replacement part, but actually two, because the initial replacement part came in busted on arrival. Sideshow collectibles did good. They, they came through. They had another piece be delivered, and um, so I'm... Very happy about that. Kudos to Sideshow. I really do uh, appreciate their customer service. And big thanks to Prime One Studio for a, a fantastic statue. This, so everybody is aware, this is part of the lineup that they have for Batman's game. So most of their, their statues are, are from the Arkham Knight game. But this one in particular was from the Arkham Origins, which actually I do prefer the design of Mr. Freeze from that. He looks a lot more badass. <laughs> so that's super cool. I ended up watching The Big Short. That's again. A good movie, yeah. I've watched that movie so many times, and it is so good. I'd highly recommend that film. And what else? Oh, finally, I made some more progress on the Joygasm Skyline Diffuser. So we are about five rows away from having the rows be completed, uh, at which point we will be able to start the crazy installation of these things. We have 21 rows that are seven feet long of pine wood goodness. And uh, it's going to be amazing when you look at that wall over there and you're going to see it uh, floating up there on the wall like that. It's going to be fantastic. And of course, once everything is all said and done, I'll have plenty of pictures and videos so that um, all of you listeners out there, if you're curious to see what it looks like, you can check it out. And uh, yeah, I think that's all it's going to be. Gaming news is on deck, and we have a few different interesting stories here. The first one, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Steve. Anthem gets Mass Effect armors and emotes for N7 Day. So Bioware usually does something fun for fans on N7 Day, and this year, they're releasing a set of armor designs and emotes that pay homage to their popular franchise. There are four armors, each referencing a different Mass Effect character. Now, these designs will make your Anthem Freelancer look like either Garrus, Tally, Rex, or Liara. Anthem is also getting a new emote that will let your Freelancer do Commander Shepard's infamous dance. Casey Hudson tweeted pics of concept art also for unproduced Mass Effect environments, so at least the series is on the Bioware general manager's mind. But I want to know, Steve, does that make you want to go back and play some more Anthem? Uh, no. <laughs> How much are they going to cost, Russ? $25. No, I'm good. You know, I, I don't emote in the game. I don't see anybody else emoting in the game. And the only time I really look at anybody else's little skin is at the end of the game. Indeed. However, just out of curiosity, which skin would you want? You know, it's been too long. I don't even know. I think Garrus would be... I knew you would choose kind of a go. Well, Garrus was my boy. Oh. I, I, I love me some <laughs> Garrus from Mass Effect. B-O-I. Exactly. Uh, um, maybe Rex as well. I, I, You know, Rex maybe for the heavier class. I don't know. See, I think this is a fun idea. It's just 
they're applying it to a game they're no longer supporting. So, <laughs> I tell you, the communication with this game has just been foobar. I don't know. Our next story has to do with Square Enix working on a new next-gen action game IP Aww. for high-definition consoles. There's, there's a quote here. It says, next-generation action game experience that takes a step forward from the existing action game framework. Can you think off the top of your head any kind of action game that Square Enix has created in the past? Because I all I think of are like strategy oh, games and RPGs. I remember one they made, I think it was for the uh, this Saturn or maybe the Dreamcast where you were like this investigator. I forgot what it was called, but like they had a uh, um, like a big... Parasite one. Eve? No, that, that was... Uh, I mean, like you're walking around and stuff, but it wasn't like a first person shooter or like an action action game, was it? I thought it was. Remember the, like there was a big mutated rat in the beginning? That sounds like Parasite Eve. Could be. I forgot the name. Which I was actually a big fan of. I really like that game. It's been a while since I played it, but... Finally, Fortnite Pro Phase Jarvis banned permanently after using Aimbot Cheat. Esports uh, professional Phase Jarvis Kaye revealed in a YouTube video posted November 3rd that he had been permanently banned from Fortnite after using an Aimbot. In the emotional six-minute video, Jarvis apologized for his actions, claiming he only used the aimbot in Fortnite's casual solos mode and playground mode while making video content for his followers on YouTube and on Twitch. He also stated that he had never used the hack while playing in a competitive mode. I have a quote here. He says, obviously, this was a huge mistake, and it's completely wrong on my end. He went on to say, genuinely, I don't even know what I was thinking. Cheating in anything is just terrible, end quote. The FaZe clan, there's apparently a clan, nearly a decade old, is a professional gaming organization focused mostly on Fortnite, Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, and other competitive games. Some members at FaZe made it to the Fortnite World Cup this past July with FaZe Scizors taking home the Creative Finals Championship alongside three other teammates. Fans of Jarvis have since started a Hashtag free Jarvis social media campaign in support of the pro player, although the hashtag features just as many critics. Other members of the FaZe clan have also voiced support on social media, according to Dexerto, in which appears to be a now-deleted tweet. FaZe member Tensor also pointed out the difference between Jarvis punishment and another player called XXIFs. And there's a quote from them saying, wasn't there a dude that competed in the World Cup that got caught cheating in one of the qualifiers and only got suspended for a few weeks, but Jarvis messed around for a funny video and got banned? LMAO. Am I missing something? That ain't right, man. Tensor tweeted, according to Dexerto. So this kind of thing, again, it's kind of an ongoing drama that we've been noticing on the one hand i think it's good that companies like epic are taking a strong stance on no cheating but at the same time it does also make me wonder what kind of punishments should there be personally i've always been a fan of the three strikes you're out rule right like hey we caught you cheating don't do that maybe suspend you for like a week second offense hey we told you not to do that we're gonna suspend you for a month 
And then if you, if you do it a third time, then you're just out. I feel I feel like something like that, that's a, a fair way to approach this. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you, Russ. I mean, I, he says one thing, Epic says another thing. And, and, you know, a story has three sides. Three sides? Three sides. It's what Epic says, or let's just say what person A says, what person B says. There are two viewpoints, and then what actually happened. That's the third side, Russ. Ah, well, and, you know, I was thinking the third side actually are the followers. Because each time something like this has gone on, whether it's someone from uh, Blizzard who banned uh, a certain player due to the Hong Kong protests... Or we have uh, Epic Games who has banned this particular player. Uh, there has been actually a vested reaction and response from the players and the followers. And that has actually, I think, swayed some of these developers to revisit the sentencing, so to speak. I don't know. I, fi I find it fascinating. And I'm sure this will not be the last. I think there will be many more of these types of things to come. Maybe he'll uh, like to jump to Mixer. Oh. Now, movie news includes something that I have been looking forward to telling you about, Steve. <clears throat> Disney submits Avengers in-game cast for Oscar consideration. Now, there are two main areas, or I should say categories, that they have done this. First up is Best Supporting Actor. Disney has submitted Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Jeremy Renner, Josh Brolin, Paul Rudd, and Don Cheadle for Best Supporting Actor. Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I mean, can you imagine like, if, if all of them actually did get confirmed for being nominated like that? I don't even know if the Oscars has ever had that many people in one category. Not to mention that they're all from the same movie. Like, they're, how would you fit anybody else from other movies? That's what you call stacking the deck there, Steve. Man, I, I can see it with Robert, Robert, I was going to say Robbie Downey Jr. <laughs> oh, Robert Redford. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the movie too, you know. Yeah. Got to get your Roberts mixed up, you know. <laughs> Uh, I can see it with him, but I, I don't. I don't know about the others. I mean, the others weren't bad. I just don't think they were really Oscar worthy. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. Yeah, my money's on Robert Downey Jr. And honestly, I mean, the, the man I feel like is the mascot for the, these types of Marvel movies. He, I mean, everybody loves seeing him play Iron Man. I've never seen someone say, "No, oh, I didn't like him," unless they're just intentionally trying to troll whatever the conversation may be. Now, the second category, of course, is Best Supporting Actress, in which uh, Disney has submitted Scarlett Johansson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Zoe Saldana, Karen Gillan, and Brie Larson for Brie Larson. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what my response was when I saw that. Uh, nothing against her personally, but no, I mean, that, there's no performance that she did in the Avengers that would warrant or garner her a best supporting actress nom for that. Nah. I I could see Zoe Saldana. Yeah, for sure. Yep, but yeah, I mean, that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> so the second story in movie news is did Joker and oh, you know what? Before I go into this, okay, if you haven't seen the Joker movie and you don't want any kind of spoilers, this is kind of a spoiler from the movie. So, you may want to skip ahead by about two minutes. 
If not, then just keep listening here. So, fair warning, minor spoiler here. Did Joker kill his neighbor Sophie? Director Todd Phillips answers the question. If you recall, in the movie, there is a moment when Joker wanders into his neighbor's apartment, and it's then that we realize that perhaps he didn't have the type of romantic relationship that we were led to believe all that time. Well, in an interview with IndieWire, Phillips was asked directly if Arthur Fleck killed Sophie, to which he replied, as the filmmaker and the writer, I am saying he does not kill her. We like the idea that it's almost like a litmus test for the audience to say, how crazy is he? Most people that I've spoken to think he did not kill her because they understand the idea that he only kills people that did him wrong. She had nothing to do with it. Most people understand that even as a villain, he was living by a certain code. Of course, he didn't kill this woman down the hall, end quote. So that solves that one. I can see that. I, you know, one of the things that I hope happens is I don't want him to directly answer every type of question that was in, like kind of left open-ended in the movie because I think that's part of the strength of the film itself is the ambiguity. If you recall, that was what I was talking about, the narrative ambiguity. I like being able to make up conclusions myself without being spoon-fed. No, this is what happened. No, this is what happened. So... I mean, it's cool in this instance and like, okay, so he didn't. But at the same time, I'm like, eh. <laughs> Finally, Terminator Dark Fate is struggling at the box office. Steve, do you want to go see Terminator Dark Fate? Nah, I'm going to pass on that one. I run. Okay. Terminator Dark Fate. Fart- dark. I was going to say dark. Dark Fart. Dark Fart. Yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> after you've eaten a big spicy bowl of chili. Uh, it might lose as much as $100 million for studios Paramount and Skydance and Disney. Variety is now reporting that Dark Fate... I totally want to say Dark Fart now. That's like awesome. Terminator Dark Fart. <laughs> <laughs> See it on South Park. <laughs> Variety is now reporting that Dark Fate's $29 million domestic take this weekend, plus it's just okay overseas grosses, spells certain doom for a movie that cost $185 million to make, plus another $80 million to $100 million in global marketing and distribution fees. See, Steve, this is the kind of budget that we need for Joygasm. We need like $80 to $100 million in order to properly promote the show. Right. It's said the film needs to earn close to $450 million to break even, but it's now on track. To end with 180 million to 200 million globally. It's on track to make 20 bucks. You have been terminated. Put on your favorite fantasy cosplay. It's time for the topic of the day. Topic of the day is the BlizzCon 2019 impressions. 
and there was quite a few different announcements that was going on over the course of this past weekend when Blizzard pulled out all the stops and people were very curious to see what kind of fixings Blizzard had been cooking up over the past year. So, uh, let's start off. You want to start off with Overwatch? No. Oh. Yes! Oh, oh man! Works every awesome. time. I've got you, Papa. <laughs> All right, so I have a bunch of notes on Overwatch 2. Just to give an overview here, or whichever strikes your fancy. Jeff Kaplan officially confirmed Overwatch 2 as the next chapter in the popular franchise. Overwatch 2 will exist in a shared multiplayer ecosystem with Overwatch 1, allowing for players of both games to play on the same maps and with the same heroes. Cosmetics will also carry forward to Overwatch 2. The sequel will introduce new maps and characters like Toronto and Sojourn, or Sohorn, I'm not Sojourn, what's going on? Respectively. While also introducing a new PvP competitive mode push and new story centric and PvE. The company took the opportunity to announce Overwatch 2. The developers also shared new heroes. Um, but according to Game Informer, at least four other new heroes that were not shown are waiting in the wings for a big reveal. Which, by the way, I, I was kind of surprised about that because when they said, oh, we have all these new heroes, and then we, we really only saw two, and one of those two probably is kind of a will they or will they not be a, an actual playable character, which is Echo. Echo's been teased several times in the cinematics, but they, it's never actually become part of the roster. So it makes me excited to know that there are four other ones, and I have some information on that story. So, Game Informer's cover story for this month is all about Overwatch 2, and the magazine's executive editor, Andrew Rayner, was able to visit Blizzard. Lucky guy. Lucky guy. And meet with Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan to prepare for the story. During their meeting, however, Rayner caught a glimpse of four unannounced Overwatch heroes. During a PowerPoint presentation, gotta love those PowerPoint presentations, PPP. Rainer reported that one of the slides that Kaplan brought up was the image contained four silhouettes. None were immediately recognizable as characters that were teased in earlier concept arts, comic books, or any of the art we have seen. Rainer says that Kaplan passed over the slide too quickly to get more than a brief look at four silhouettes, but that two of the characters immediately stood out. One was a male character who had a crooked stab. The other was a female character with short hair and a fuzzy little critter with pointy ears on equally pointy tail. That's the Pokemon character. <laughs> I, you know, I like the idea of some of these characters having pets. It's just fun, especially if they're not like earthbound pets, if they're otherworldly. As long as they're not too otherworldly, you know what I'm saying? The hero of note wielding a giant four-sided weapon, which is somewhat similar to the shuriken used by Yuffie in Final Fantasy VII, but much thicker. Oh, that, that one was pretty darn thick. <laughs> Rainer noted that three of the four silhouettes appeared female, save for the wizard-like male characters. So I want to see what these characters look like. 
Personally, for me, I think that it's appropriate to have a large group of, of heroes enter into the fray because if they're going to treat it like a sequel, then they, you know, I don't, I, I, I welcome the other characters. The pre-existing characters are all wonderful. However, I really want to see like this really big group make uh, their, their grand appearance. I don't want to have just one or two heroes and they go, oh, so many new heroes. Right. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> it's kind of like Anthem did with the skins. So many skins. So many skins. How many did you get? <laughs> one. How many were available? Well, one. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, I feel like you're you're defining the word hyperbole a little bit here. <laughs> what did you think of some of the redesigns though? Because they actually they didn't show off re, like new skins and redesigns for each of the the, the pre existing characters. They had a, a healthy amount of mm-hmm. them. What do you think? You know, Russ, I'm glad they uh, they're bringing over all the skins. I heard uh, Daddy Cap. Well, we reference him as Daddy Cap. Daddy. <laughs> he was like, hey, you guys have worked so hard. You've been playing the game for a long time. Why do we not bring over all the content? Daddy uh, Cappy. Dad, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was that was good. I, you know, but I do have to comment on the PVE, the story missions. Mm. I think it's about time, Russ. I always look forward to that stuff. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's been long overdue. In fact, if I had to make a negative comment about the original Overwatch game. It was simply that there was no story. Yeah. Like, like the story that they told was through the cinematics. And of course I love me some blizzard cinematics. However, I'm kind of old school in the sense that when I'm playing a first person shooter title, I want to have some kind of single player campaign experience, even if it's a co-op thing, you know, with Overwatch, I think you could, if you, if they were to play their game designer cards, right actually have some sort of some sort of online co-op play where perhaps you could even have maybe every single character from the roster participate in the the ongoing battle as you go from level to level that would be pretty epic honestly right but for whatever reason they decided to focus more on the social multiplayer aspect of the game the question i have Regarding the PVE stuff, is is it going to be just kind of like this Diet Coke version? Because if you recall, they had like one or two levels where they were kind of playing around with stuff and and they had robots be kind of the evil characters that you're you're blowing up. And I just, I find that to be kind of a cop-out. I want there to be some sort of main bad guy, you know, classic storytelling. I want there to be different types of creatures or humanoids or whatever it is, but I, I just, I feel like it's just, it feels more like a gun range, like target practice. If all we have are just drones. Yeah. More robot drones coming at us. It's like, I don't, this doesn't feel official to me. Well, I, what they might do, cause you have the, you have the good guys, like the known good guys and you have the known bad guys in the game. And it seems like this game is almost a, prequel to the original overwatch in a way i'm well mm, i don't know it almost it almost seems like it because why why would if everyone got together for this Mm. like the original overwatch why would they disband because they don't they're not saying anything 
When you think of the original announcement trailer for the original Overwatch, where you had the two kids and they were walking through that um, exploratorium yeah. style place, a, a museum. Looking at Doomfist's fist. Exactly. Right. To me, that really set the tone because we got introduced to Winston, we got introduced to Tracer, Tracer. and then we also got introduced to Widowmaker, we got introduced to... Oh, Graveyard it? Man. Graveyard Man. <laughs> what the heck? Why can't I think of his name? Reaper. Reaper. Thank you very much. <laughs> so in that, we, are, we were led to believe, oh, okay, there are clearly some very protagonist-oriented characters, and there are some an- antagonist characters to this. But yeah, I, I just... I feel as though they need to stick with that because they have clearly made characters on both sides of this equation, and especially given some of the lore that they have done with the cinematics and stuff, I do think that there needs to be a single player story campaign that revolves around these complicated relationships of these characters. In addition to perhaps introducing some other characters as well, but the robot thing is just, it does. I can't get too excited about that. Yeah. Well, I think in one of the other games when you are not, geez, one of the other levels was a Brazil level that they showed Mm. And they were introducing uh, Lucio for the first time. And then there's May there and Tracer and Winston. And like, oh, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm Lucio. You know, why would he have to introduce himself if he was already known in the other game? Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, some of the other characters, like uh, Diva even references him. Like, she already knows who he is. Like, oh, hey, no. Diva was one of the characters. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm glad you said this, too. Because in the uh, all of the content they showed, Diva was missing from mm-hmm. the roster, and so was my girl, Farah. Like, two, m- both of my mains, uh, and even Symmetra, what wasn't in, I don't believe was in there either. So I am looking forward to seeing what kind of updates they have made regarding the art direction of those characters. I really do applaud the updates. I think that the, the, what they did show with the characters, everything looks fantastic. I think it's really cool. They didn't deviate too far from their established art style and they were able to make some additions to it that I think, um, you know, they did, they look really good. I am also looking forward to seeing how the level of detail is improved in the environments when this game comes out but i'm not you know it's funny i'm not entirely sold on it being an official sequel <laughs> versus it being more of an expansion to overwatch right yeah, i could see that i could see that hmm. it would be kind of neat is if they had a reinhardt mission where like if you watch his short movie where he's got all the the, the german soldiers behind him and they're all shooting he's the shield and you got to advance but he has to whack-a-mole these, these, uh, what are they called? Uh, I want to say necromancers, but that's just because I watched The Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> um, all the robots, you know? I think that would be fun. That'd be something different than the regular thing that you always came out playing with the same characters, you know? It'd be like little other people, regular oh. people that uh, are not fully covered in armor and swinging weapons and having legendary abilities, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Did you have any other comments about Overwatch 2? No, Ross. Well, you know what? Did they say when it's coming out? They did not. Okay. At least not that I saw. But there was a bunch of extra footage. Like, I, I saw the whole thing, but I didn't see... There, there was a time when they brought out um, the voice of uh, Reinhardt. I think that was more of a panel. 
because it was like, oh, the, the BlizzCon 2019 is over. I'm like, wait a second. I saw something about this guy supposed to come out and speak. So maybe there's some I didn't see, but I really don't know. We will have to see. Of course, we'll keep both eyes open. Two eyes. As long as I can spare them. If you weren't going to say it, I was about to say it. Well, I couldn't tell if you wanted me to say it or not. So I, just, I, <laughs> I thought I would just go for it. I, uh, <laughs> Diablo 4 made its official debut. The isometric action RPG will be coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I will, If I play it, I'll probably play it on PC. Just because that, that's kind of the, one of my classic PC games. And, uh, Dabble. Yes. Uh, Blizzard unveiled the first three classes for the sequel, Barbarian, Sorceress, and the Druid. No way. That's so original. The Druid. Well, I mean, those, those are <laughs> so classic. I, I know they're the classic, I didn't say. <clears throat> we unveiled these new classes. No, it's the same classes. Yeah, no, 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 right. I, no, I said the first three classes for the sequel. The announcement came by way of a cinematic trailer for Diablo 4. Last year, if you recall, Steve, Blizzard seemed to tease Diablo for a big reveal at last year's BlizzCon, but that announcement ended up being a mobile Diablo game called Diablo Immortal. Boo! Reception <laughs> to Immortal was overwhelmingly negative, and it's been suggested that a Diablo 4 announcement this year is meant to serve as sort of an apology for kind of a bunch of apologizing lately, Russ. Well, in this case with Diablo 4, Steve, I'm here to say apology accepted. You know, that I game... I was happy to see that. That game is pretty dark, Russ. It's a very dark game. I, I don't know if I can handle it. It's an, it's an adventure uh, action RPG type uh, of game. And there are several classes, by the way. It's funny because the whole conference was like pretty positive. Yes. You know, you watch the E3 and everyone is kind of cussing every fifth word like, oh, we're effing scared. All right. Well, how the F are you guys doing? I'm like, we're oh, effing good, excited good. to be here. Right. And then F you. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> All right. And so then you have Blizzard staff come out and they're like, oh, yeah, power to the players. Treat each other respectively. Yeah. You guys put yourselves first. Okay. Yeah. And then no cuss word in sight. And it's overwhelmingly positive. And then boom. Dark Oblivion Diablo 4. So the, the trailer that they came out with, the announcement trailer for Diablo 4, man. So on an artistic and technical merit, of course, Blizzard Cinematics have always been just cream of the crop. Fantastic quality. But man, that was a dark trailer, though, just watching it. There's all kinds of wrong and evil in that. It's just like, woo, man, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable watching this one. This is pretty, uh, pretty vividly grotesque. Yeah. Pretty, uh, just, ooh, make, makes your soul kind of quiver a little bit. You know? Oh, man. I want to play Mario Kart now. <laughs> find a happy space or place <laughs> or both. Have a, find my happy place in my happy space. So, uh, the, also the graphics engine has given, um, or I should say has been given a huge shot in the arm because Diablo 3 was a lot more cartoony. There was more of a stylish cartoony approach to the art direction of Diablo 3. And with Diablo 4, there is much more of a photorealistic take, which I personally like. I, I was kind of in the minority when it came to Diablo 3's art direction. Where like, you know, I thought it was okay, but I wasn't like, oh, this is so cool. But I had a lot of friends just absolutely love what they did. 
See, for me, Diablo 2 was my favorite Diablo game in terms of the art direction. I really liked what they did with that. I feel as though Diablo 4 is kind of more toward that approach in terms of the visuals. So definitely digging that. And they did not give any kind of release date, I don't believe, for Diablo 4. I think it was it was mainly just an, uh, kind of a hype announcement trailer for that sort of thing. Now, they also had new World of Warcraft expansion, um, new updates for Hearthstone. Um, let me see. World of Warcraft, they, they, so they had two trailers for it. One was a cinematic trailer. The other one was gameplay. Again, neither one of us have gotten invested in World of Warcraft because we would have no life. We right. would be. It, it, it's here's the deal. It's not that we're not interested. We're very interested. I'm way interested. It's just literally. I think my wife would divorce me. My child would disown me. I would lose everything I hold dear, and I would probably have not bathed in a year if I got involved with this game. So I intentionally look as an outsider and just go, wow, that looks really cool. And I'm going to leave it. At yeah. That. I remember I play in uh, Warcraft three and I thought, oh, I'll just play it for like, you know, 20 minutes. And, and Warcraft three is not an MMORPG. That's just right. a real time strategy game. Right. And so I think oh, I just play for 20 minutes. No, I was, you know, play whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's probably three in the afternoon. All of a sudden I look at time. It's like midnight. I'm like, where does time go? I have to do homework. You know, right. I need to go to bed. Yeah. Yes. And that was just RTS. And I love, oh, you know, Steve, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. Wow. You make these types of comments that, that you do because it's, it, it causes the old noodle to right. all of a sudden come up with other thoughts. If I had to voice a disappointment about this particular BlizzCon, it is due to the fact that we have not received a new real-time strategy game in a long time. I believe the most recent one was StarCraft II, and that came out, I want to say, back in like 2009, somewhere around there, but we have not had a new StarCraft game. Well, of course, we had, we, okay, to be fair, we have had a couple of expansion packs for StarCraft that did come out in subsequent years. So, okay, I'll give, I'll give them that. We'll, we'll say since 2012, how about that? Sure. Somewhere around there. But we haven't had a Warcraft 4 or a StarCraft 3 come out in quite a long time. I happen to really love those worlds that Blizzard has put together and made. So my hope is, is perhaps at next year's BlizzCon, maybe we will get some kind of announcement trailer for one of those games because, oh, so good. Now... There were a couple of Hearthstone announcements. The first is the Descent of Dragons expansion, which I got to say, loved the trailer to that. I love the persona they have made for Hearthstone. I still have not played the game. I've got to sit down and try this card game out because I really do love these gaming versions of uh, traditional card games. Now, that particular expansion launches on December 10th. Blizzard also announced Hearthstone Battlegrounds an eight-player auto-player mode that features 24 unique heroes, which sounds absolutely crazy. So overall, I mean, I would say that this was a much better BlizzCon presentation slash experience as opposed to last year. What do you, what do you think? I would say so. The only other thing I wish they would do, and this is just me shooting the breeze here, I want them to say, you know what, we're going to try... We're going to try just putting a show together because you guys like our animated shorts 
in StarCraft and in WarCraft and in Overwatch. Y'all have been asking for it. We're going to put together a little series. I think the crowd would have gone nuts and peed their pants. I would watch it. I would totally watch it. Exactly. If they had those going on, absolutely. I would totally be into that. And yeah, for whatever reason, they... I can understand why, though. I can understand why they decide to just keep it as is because that is a tool, a conduit, a lightning rod, if you will, to strike up the hype machine, depending on which IP is making some sort of triumphant debut or a sequel. Just depends on what it is, but... uh, yeah, were you happy overall with what they had to show? Yeah, I was. And I was I was happy that they came, you know, I need to say in the beginning, the first thing they said, it wasn't about the games, wasn't that at you know, something at the at the end they tagged on, but they came out in the beginning and they said, you know what? We're sorry about what we did with Hearthstone. That was our fault. And we take full responsibility. You know what? We have this mantra of every voice matters, and we totally went against that, and that's on us. We're really mm-hmm. I mean, he apologized for I mean, I am five to ten minutes straight. Yeah, no, it was good of the CEO to come out and do that. And it did, it struck me as being sincere and genuine. I think that he's kind of, he's in a, a difficult spot because on the one hand, they're an entertainment company. We've talked about this. We've covered this on Joygasm before. But at the same time, as certain games are predominantly online with an international presence, you're going to start to run into a lot of these geopolitical sensitivity issues how you navigate that, that's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> so we'll have to see, like I said, how this stuff continues to ravel out into the future. But that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week for our Disney Plus launch impressions. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm. That's J-O-Y-G-A-S. M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it really helps continuing or helping us continue doing what we love to do. And then by the way, that is a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Any kind of uh, help that you guys give is, is just uh, tremendous. Yes, absolutely. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. I know that Uncle Steve and Uncle Russ really do love to be able to uh, interact with our fellow fans and followers. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will all see you. What time? Next week, Steve. Like what I say every freaking time. We'll see you later. (laughs) 